Hello and welcome to episode 1099 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, September 16th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. Can't believe we've already almost done 100 episodes in the last, like, six months. I know. It's really insane. Um, when, I was, when I was typing this up yesterday, I was like, we're going to be at 1,100 this quick? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Feels like Dang. we just did episode 1,000. But it was actually at the beginning of the season. So we did 100 episodes basically in the season. Not bad. Not a bad haul. And the season's not over yet. In fact, uh, you know, coming down the stretch here, everyone's trying to secure their titles or get into title position. Uh, lots going on for sure. We're going to spin it forward a little bit. We got a lot of stuff out there. You know, wrote a write-up every day, my SP chart for the here and now. But on the pod, want to talk a bit more about the future. And last time out, we discussed some pitchers having big second halves and how we feel about them going forward. So today, of course, we're going to talk hitters in the same uh, in the same realm here. These guys have been second half standouts. Now there's a range from you know legitimate superstar level, third round type pick, all the way down to waiver fodder. In fact, I I tried to avoid more of the the top end guys. Like I'm not going to ask you what you think of Aaron Judge. I'm not sure that that has he's, as much. Value. He's okay. Yeah, because like <laughs> he's all right. We did have upper tier guys last time too, like a Spencer Strider, but he's new to the upper mm-hmm. tier. So if I if I was just flooding you with, you know, Jose Ramirez and, and Aaron Judge and all that, it's a waste of time. We do have one premium guy because he's doing so well at a specialty position that we'll get into. But then most of them are like mid-rounders or later. In fact, way later in some instances. Let's talk with the superstar of the second half, the guy we're going to hear about winning people's leagues for sure. Uh, and that's Jake McCarthy because the first half, you know, league winner, so to speak, was probably John Birdie because those steals were just so unbelievably impactful um, that I, I totally feel like and, – and he was a waiver pickup. So people were like, you know, John Birdie winning me my league here in the first half. In the second half, it's been Jake McCarthy because he's one up Birdie. Birdie was just Mr. Speed. Jake McCarthy's doing everything, Justin. 335, 397, 494 slash – here in the second half with 16 steals leads the league by four over your boy said the entertainer uh, and has chipped in five homers, 28 runs, 32 ribbies. Jake McCarthy has been an absolute God while he is a Johnny come lately in that, you know, we haven't really seen him do anything before he debuted last year and, you know, didn't whatever 70 plate appearances. He's 24. He'll be age 25 next year. So I don't think this is something that's a flash in the pan that, you know, we're not going to have any interest in him next year. Is Jake McCarthy, or he is skyrocketing his his draft cost. I won't ask you if he is. I'll ask you to where is Jake McCarthy skyrocketing his cost? Oh, man, that, that's going to be a tough question. I feel like some of what he's done, I mean, I think people know he's done great, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of what he's done has been hidden. He's in Arizona, which is not a very good team, though they've been really good. Uh, here, uh, as they're getting, late. yeah, they're getting some attention, but there is, there is a little bit of the West Coast thing. You know, we've always talked mm-hmm. about like West Coast bias or whatever. Um, but even in the internet age, that still exists. This, that was something that was born more of the newspaper age. Newspapers had to go to print. You wouldn't even get West Coast scores in the paper and stuff like that. But there is still some of that, right? Because a lot of people yeah. live in the Central and East, and they don't stay up and watch Diamondback games. They should. Yeah. Because they're really exciting against right-handers, but uh, yeah, I think I think a little bit of it is hidden. You're right. So if he wasn't on your team, you might not be, or or on a team that's bypassing you in the standings, you might not be familiar with the exploits of Jake McCarthy. Um, he wasn't a premium prospect. He ranked 25th on their list this year. So I guess you know where are you at with buying these skills? He had an excellent run in in triple a as well it was only 36 games but uh five homers 11 steals in that time 12 percent walk rate 13 percent strikeout rate so brilliant plate skills that was a major improvement he was a bit of a strikeout guy coming up but he got 13 percent of triple a this year for mccarthy down from 23 percent of triple a last year and he's 20 percent at the majors so how believable are these skills not very. I mean, like some of it is believable. I, I think this is a little bit similar to Dylan Moore uh, last year. Which, uh, now, better though, because Dylan Moore, had, say. Dylan Moore had serious platoon issues where McCarthy does not. Well, um, and terrible play skills. Yeah. I just mean that 
the underlying numbers aren't nearly as good as I would expect from someone who's having this good of a second half. Like in the second half, he's got a league average zone contact, 12% swing strike rate, 34% O swing. Like they're, those numbers are fine. They're not necessarily even bad, but like most of those are about league average, right? Yeah, about league average. So like okay. I don't expect him to be a guy who can carry this over into a full season next year. I think. I think he's probably like a 260 hitter um, with a bunch of stolen bases, a handful of home runs. Like, I think he'd be fine. Like, I think, and I think the stolen bases will prop him up. But what happens when the league is running wild uh, because of the new rules? Like, is he a guy who goes from, you know, 20 stolen bases to 35 stolen bases? Potentially. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, when he, he run wilder. Mm hmm. The only other issue is Arizona's got talent, um, and they have more talent on the way. And not to mention, they've got one of the like lower payrolls in baseball, so like they could add talent. So what happens if they start adding guys? Is he, you know, they're not gonna like bench like Corbin Carroll, like you know, or Alec no. Thomas. Like these are guys that are gonna get. That's two guys. There's the other spot there for McCarthy, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Does he go back behind the dish? I, I don't uh, think you can put him back behind the dish. I don't think so either. Let me ask you this, though. Do you have – I don't know if you have it handy. I'm going to pull it up myself. If not, has he improved at all behind the dish this year, Dalton Varsho? Is there anything that they can maybe go with? Because that would be an answer there, and then you got full time for Jake McCarthy. But remember, he was – Varsho was a dreadful catcher, and that's why he was going to be – an outfielder, and it has been, but he has caught 175 innings this year. Kelly got hurt a few different times. Um, I see minus 1.5 on the framing. Compare that to one point, positive 1. 1.6 for Carson Kelly. So that's a pretty big split, I, I would say. And it's yeah. minus 1.5 in 175 innings when Kelly got positive 1. 1.6 in 650 innings. So that's probably not the answer. So is that your biggest concern then, playing time for Jake McCarthy? Yeah, I think playing time ultimately may be the biggest problem. I mean, I think they're going to give him run like early on in the season, but what happens if we just see the other side of the coin? Because he's obviously been running hot. Like, if we see him running cold early on, he could find himself out of a role in the way that Dylan Moore did. I mean, 362 BABIP here on the year for him, too. And yeah. um, I don't know what it is in the second half. I got just the composite numbers here, but, like, it, it's probably higher, if anything. It's certainly uh, not lower. His uh, his bad bit is three seventy four in the second half. Okay, there you go. So right in uh, eight, what was that? Twelve points higher than what his season mark mm -hmm. is. So that's definitely a major help for a Jake McCarthy. I think the the real thing that you're honing in on is like we want to be excited because it's fun. He's been amazing, mm -hmm. but um, we see players like this all the time. Half seasons, yeah. huge half seasons that are just their best work. Yeah, and so and that's I, probably what we got here. I think the question becomes, what is his draft price? Like, if yes. if if he pulls up into the top hundred and fifty, I'm out. If he's outside the top two hundred, or you know, maybe you know, just inside the top two hundred, I don't think like, he will be. I don't think he'll be outside the top two hundred. I really don't. I think you're. I think you're talking top two fifty or, or top one fifty. Yeah, I can't do that. I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's worth that. I think. Um, I, th I think the the likeliness of the regression because you have to, like he wasn't a top prospect. Coming yeah, that's out. what I was he's, saying. Twenty fifth in there yeah. this year. So it's not like it. It. I mean, and here's the thing: Corbin Carroll could bust. Um, Alec Thomas could bust. I don't think they will, but they could bust, and he becomes the guy that takes over the full time playing time if someone struggles. Right? Like sure, but I'm um, bet bet on that in any way. But yeah, what do you make of this? This is down the stretch. This might just be a health protection type of thing. McCarthy's playing every day. Carroll and Thomas are decidedly not. Carroll's mm -hmm. only started two games this week, or actually one this week, but one, uh, two in the last six days, which ranges from Saturday to Thursday on roster resource. He's only started twice, and Thomas has only started thrice. But like I said, McCarthy every single day left right center and dh there plus by the way we didn't we didn't bring up dh that would not be another avenue there mm -hmm. you know a lot of teams don't use a perma dh but if you got four guys like that who are all 26 and under um if the three of whom are are 25 and under in terms of mccarthy kelly uh, uh, excuse me mccarthy carroll and thomas 
maybe you make it work that way. But uh, I, I'm with you. I, I think the the caution that you're preaching because the price is going to likely be high and the fact that we've seen just like a half season here, tap the brakes. I wouldn't just, you know, it's going to be that dangerous extrapolation zone too. He's going to end with about what? Uh, how many games we got left? Like 15? So he's going to have about about 100. You can't double it, but you get, you know, people who start doing those those lazy double ups there and uh, yeah. really lead you astray with somebody like Jake McCarthy. <laughs> I, I think I would probably project him for like 400 plate appearances, which I mean, he could still be a 1020 guy next yeah. year with a, a, a lower batting average, but like, which is so that's fine, but um, and, and it's good, but like, is it top 200 kid? I don't know. I think that's debatable. Um, and I just, if I want to see what the prices are on him uh, coming into next year, I think he's one of those guys, like they said, though, at the beginning. Um, that may not get as much publicity as some of the other guys because he plays in Arizona, which is a West yeah. Coast team that's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, a lower tier team there. Yeah, if people are watching West Coast. They're probably checking out the Dodgers, the Padres, mm -hmm. um, and maybe really that's it right now because your Giants aren't having a great season. All oh, people yeah. still watch them. They're still very popular. So mm -hmm. I would still say that they're getting watched more than the exciting baby snakes out there. So that's Jake McCarthy. Let's move on to another speedster. Now, he's more of a raw speedster, and that's really the only thing that you're getting from – well, actually, I shouldn't say that about Bubba Thompson because he has been hitting, but it's been unexpected. Um, he has a 95 WRC plus on the season, but uh, lately he's actually been, been having some – Pretty decent at bats. I still look at the thirty percent strikeout rate, six percent walk rate, and I'm going all speed here. This is a rabbit burner. You know how I feel about drafting them. Uh, how'd Miles Straw do this year, by the way? But I do think Bubba Thompson is somebody who will be cheap. I don't really think that he's raising his price to anything all that substantial. I think he's a two fifty or later type pick. So, given that, what would you think about a, um, a, a Bubba Thompson pickup, and or what do you think about him next year as far as uh, what he's been showing us as a burner here for the Rangers. I think they're going to give him some run, especially early on. Uh, like you said, like I don't buy the underlying skills at all. Like I, just, I mean, he's fast. He's 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 fast. He can steal bases, but this is he he's not like a Billy Hamilton style burner, um, and he doesn't play like amazing defense uh, that would give him an opportunity to play in a way like that Adam Angle gets to or Billy Hamilton got to and things like that, in spite of the fact that he's not hit, you're not going to hit. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy, I know he's been hot right now, and he's hitting, what, three-something? Um, mm -hmm. Or no, 278 this year. Uh, oh, but and, like in the second half, it, it, it is like three-something, I think. I think, didn't he get called up in the second half? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Sorry, it is. Everything has been in the second half. So the 278, 331, 339 for Bubba Thompson. But a yeah. 95 WRC plus is honestly about 20 points higher than I was expecting when I picked him up. I was just picking him up for the steals. So the Which is the right ball, yeah. yeah, so the fact that he hasn't been embarrassing at the dish has helped. But guess what? 408 Babbitt. That ain't holding for Bubba Thompson. So, um, again, no, he's, I, he'll he, be dirt he, cheap, though. His... Uh, his XBA um, right now is like, uh, let me find it. Uh, oh, oh, 082? 182. Oh my God, I was trying to be funny. Yeah, it's 182. <laughs> so it is over 100 points. 278 no, no, almost, is batting. Almost 100 points, right? Oh, sorry. Almost 100 points. Yeah. So uh, 278, 182. Almost 100 points. That he's just getting lucky on, like you know. Now part of that is like he is fast, so like sure. and, and he's got a really low launch angle. Um, you know, he's got like a you know six degree launch angle, so uh, he puts the ball on the ground a lot. He's gonna outrun things um, sometimes because he's fast, but it's just unsustainable. Yeah, Billy, Billy Hamilton, like you said, even faster. He could never maintain a four hundred yeah. babbit. So Bubba Thompson, that four hundred eight yeah. is coming down. Yeah. Um, the the thing that would I, I would be pleased with if I can if I draft him if I wind up with him anywhere which I, I almost certainly won't just give me a three hundred OBP if you could just get on base at a three hundred OBP I feel like I can get something the problem is I just don't think that's a guarantee he strikes out way too much he doesn't take walks yeah. the interesting thing is there was a little bit of punch in the minors thirteen homers I mean that's PCL 
AAA. Round Rock's Diamond is not particularly special, but the other parks in the PCL are. Uh, 16 homers at AA the year before. I don't know if any of that's coming to the coming to the major leagues though at, at this point for Bubba Thompson. Like you said, bad fielder got a 45 grade in our, uh, in our last scouting report for Bubba Thompson. So this one's been, Hey, thank you for everything you've done this year. Yeah. I don't really see myself getting him anywhere next year, unless it's off the waiver wire again. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys that you pick up off the waiver. He's going to get drafted though. Like oh, said, I, don't, I don't know. If he's gonna be... And then I'll, I'll get him yeah. when, they, when he gets cut. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be super expensive or anything. I think, mm-hmm. uh, like you mentioned, the plate skills are just so bad. Okay, so league average zone contact this year is 85.4%. His okay. zone contact is 78%. Uh, league average O swing is uh, 32%. He's That's swinging Chase outside. Mm-hmm. Sorry, he's, you had it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, he's swinging outside of the zone 35% of the time. Like, Bubba, Tom, a league average swing strike rate is 11%. His uh, Bubba Thompson swing and strike rate fifteen percent. Like, like it is just not good. Like we don't, and, and he swings a lot. Like he's <laughs> the he's league average. Hacking, yeah, zone swing rate is sixty nine percent, which is nice. nice. What's not nice when you have that bad of poor of contact skills and swinging inside of the zone seventy seven percent of the time. Um, so like it's just a really really bad combination. I agree. If if he changed his plate approach. Which he's not going to do right now while he's hot. No. But if he changed his plate approach and got more patient, um, I could be a little bit more interested. Like if he could find, you know, first base because of the walk, um, yeah, then I I might be a little bit more interested long term. But it's hard uh, to expect that, and yeah, know, all the swinging stuff that you brought up carried throughout the minors too. You look at those it, strike rates and swinging strike rates. Yeah. And one of the hard parts, you know, for those people who only play redraft leagues and have never really um like delved into dynasty or keepers, Bob Thompson used to be a top prospect. Like he used to be a top, you know, fifty hundred guy. Um because there was this power speed profile we, that was really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the lack of contact skills for for Thompson um, is what kind of crushed. I mean, he got to the point where I didn't know that they were going to keep him on the format. I thought he was going to get uh, DFA'd uh, earlier this year. Um, and so, But there are people who've been playing a long time that remember the name, that still think that he could, and now he's come up and been good. So he's not going to be free. He'll be, he'll be cheaper maybe than McCarthy, but he's not going to be free at all. I think that's a fair way to put it with Bubba Thompson. I recommend passing uh, pretty much universally here. Yeah. All right. On to the superstar that I hinted at earlier. It is JT Realmuto. And my goodness, is he on fire having a brilliant second half, reminding everybody why he went so high, reminding those that drafted him, not that they need a reminder. So usually those that draft him are, are pretty big uh, JT Realmuto fanboys. And I, I respect it. I mean, he's, he's wonderful. I know Rob DPH was a big fan. I know uh, Toby from Batflip Crazy, huge fan of JT Realmuto had eight homers, 12 steals in the first half with a 252, 323, 330 or 399 slug. The slug was down. That was kind of a problem, but eight and 12 in the first half from your premium catcher, you're, you're in the 252. That was fine. Nobody was upset with that. He was just kind of humming along at, at a solid rate. Next level in the second half, in about half as much time, he has 10 homers, so two more than he had in the first half, and he has five steals to the 12 he had in the first half. So, you know, you could double that and say he's pretty close to his pace, but the power pace is off the charts. 312, 385, 604 in the second half. My main question is, does Real Muto's price go up next year, or does it stay about the same, which I believe was um, pretty much firm third round for JT Robito. Where's he going next year? Um, That's a really good question. I think it's probably going to stay the same because there's been so many catchers that have emerged um, around him. Very very early fourth round was his uh, ADP, 48. Yeah, I mean, I I could see going into the third, but like there's so many other catchers that have emerged this year that it's not the barren wasteland that it has been in the past. Um, you know, now uh, when I did my three sport draft for next year, it was back in July, you know, August. He wasn't um, fully cooking yet. He wasn't fully cooking yet, but he was the third catcher off the board. Yeah. See, and like, he'll um, be the first catcher now. 
he never really falls beyond like that third range. He is the number one catcher on the season, of course. You got Varsho. Um, you got both Contreras's, the Contreri, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alejandro Kirk. Sean Murphy's been great. Varsho was number two, by the way, but of course he was already hyped up for this year. Uh, Cal Raleigh has been a home run machine. Obviously, Adley broke out as expected. MJ Melendez was very good. He was a 12th catcher. Jonah Heim, um, you know, guys like Jose Trevino even did some big things. Tyler Stevenson was great in the time that he had. Injuries just kept eating him alive until they finally took him off the field for the whole season. And that doesn't even um, count the fact that Kybert Ruiz, people are going to redraft him. He did not have a great mm-hmm. season, but I don't think it's going to push everybody off of the Kybert Ruiz train. So for sure. You're right. The depth at catcher will make it so that Real Muto probably doesn't shoot up over that 48 ADP that he had this year, but I think he's going to firmly hold it at the very least. Yeah. And I mean, I'm here for that. Like, and, yeah, and I I'll know, play that. yeah, you, when you're getting pretty much a 2020 season from a catcher, That's like crazy. he probably should be a second rounder. I'm not, I mean, and I actually don't have an issue taking him there. Um, Toby, you know, Toby and Rob probably will. Like they'll yeah. not have an issue. They'll probably do it. Though, again, those are two of his biggest fans mm-hmm. of, of in terms of folks in the industry. They love that rock solid production that they get a catcher. And how could you not, especially with the speed, man? It's just so nice. I think I mean obviously it depends on what, what format league you're playing in, right? Like if you're in a one catcher league, you're not taking a catcher that early. I don't care who it is, right? Yes. Um this if, is two C leagues that we yeah. in a two catcher fifteen team league. I have no problem popping Real Muto like at the two three turn if I had an early pick, um, and it, but if I'm in a, if I'm in a twelve team league, then then I think I'm probably passing and waiting for one of the later guys. So yeah. I think it just really depends on the depth of your league and, and what you're looking at. You're doing. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it with Real Muto. Just want to give him some shine though. He's been amazing mm-hmm. and another guy who you know. If you call him a league winner, that it's expected, right? He's expected to be a part of yeah. your, your winning league. But he has definitely turned it up to the point where if you were a mid-tier team and you and you landed on – you had Real Muto and then you landed on like a Jake McCarthy, those two alone could be kind of dragging your offense up the rankings. Or maybe you had this guy too, a. Eugenio Suarez, a veteran who is uh, absolutely crushing. Remember when they were both traded, he, he and Jesse Winker to seattle we highlighted how um that park was obviously a massive downgrade it took winker off my board legitimately mm-hmm. I, I refused to draft him but suarez was somebody with big boy power that plays anywhere that i wasn't necessarily out on him plus he was pretty cheap too so it was pretty easy to be like oh i, I would take suarez if 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 the price was right and it, it definitely was he's been awesome he's bounced back he was picked 200 on average and you got 31 homers for that so far with a 236, 335, 472, 84 ribbies, and 71 runs. Now, he, right now, he's right around almost the exact same uh, volume that he had last year, 145 games last year, 141 this year. So it's the same amount of homers, same amount of ribbies, and uh, five extra uh, five extra ribbies. But the big difference is he hit 198 last year to the 236 this year. And, of course, still has another two weeks left to tack on to it. Suarez will be 31 next year. He'll still be with Seattle unless they trade him because they have a long-term contract. Um, Is Suarez somebody you see rising up the ranks uh, from his pick 200, say, into like the early 100s? Oh, early 100s. That that would be a pretty big jump. And if that happens, I'm definitely out. Here's the thing, like Suarez is gonna do what he does. Uh, he's got give you some power. He's got that unique. Uh, I mean, it's not super unique, but a unique blend of a really good batting eye and really bad plate skills. Um, and, you know, it, it it's honestly it's Joey Gallo esque, right? He's gonna walk at a double digit uh, rate, but he's also gonna make very little contact in the zone. In fa- in spite of the fact that he swings a fair amount in the zone. Um, He's up there hacking. Before. Yeah. So, like, yes, this is like he has the ability to, you know, go, you know, hit 240 or maybe, you know, in a lucky year, hit 250 with a boatload of home runs. He also has the ability to do what we've seen in the past, which is have a, just a truly atrocious season. Just um, last year, 198. I mean, that that hurt you, right? Like yeah. The 31 homers, 79 uh, ribbies, 71 runs. That was not enough to counterbalance a 198 last year. So he did not, uh, Suarez did not bring home 
value last year, not only in a fantasy world, but even in a real life world, he was worth minus 0.1 war, which is just about even, but still he played all season and he was league average. Like, or I mean, Mm -hmm. not even like he was replacement level. That's bad. So I'm with you on Suarez. I think the risk is still too high that if he does go in that range, I was, I was looking at Max Muncy, who uh, was the 12th third baseman off the board at, at pick 131 with all the questions that he had. And I was thinking that that's probably about the area that Suarez could rise to. I think that'll be like more his min, but I th- I think he'll live Justin in like the one forty five to like one eighty range. I don't. I, I do think he's going to move up from pick two hundred. And I think yeah, he should move up from pick two hundred. And I don't think it's a bad like spot, you know, especially as we start to talk about like, hey, if stolen base numbers are up, are we then not getting as much like power emerging? Um, at the bottom that we used to, like, right? Maybe maybe mm-hmm. these guys are a little more uh, valuable than they had been in years past. Now, I prefer a guy with better contact ability. Like, I don't want to sink my batting average. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, if he's going around 180, like, that's a fine price. Like, I just think he's going to go much higher because now people are going to go, well, he's back. That's what I'm saying, um, yeah. I, I do think that there'll be a lot of picks up there. 140. 180 is where the ADP will live, but I think the peak's going to be that early 100s range. Let me mm-hmm. ask you this. Brandon Drury or Eugenio Suarez? Drury had an excellent season. It, uh, you know, he's it, got I mean, legit power. Look, for Drury, it all depends on where he ends up. I know. Like, if, if he ended up back on a team where I go, oh, he's got full-time, like, he's going to sign probably a multi-year job, I would think, put, right? Put like, back in San Diego. Okay. He's well, that that's the worst possible. I know, so that's what I'm saying. Like, what? Who would you take then if he goes back? Then, there? He's a good team, but Suarez. he's not necessarily playing every day. Yeah, well, he'll play every day for the first 48 games or however many games Tatis is suspended for. But as I, soon as Tatis is back, he's going to be one of the guys who ends up being in a rotation. Um, but at least he can go everywhere. Yeah, like he can. He he's eligible everywhere. Well, yeah. With, one of the things that Suarez is losing was he was eligible at shortstop and yes. third base. Now he's only eligible at third. That's so true. I want to take Drury. The plate skills are better. Um, I know there isn't much of a track record, but he was he was a former top prospect. Big time um, prospect. He's shown power mm-hmm. spikes before. Um, it is a late career. You know, twenty nine years old is a late bloom. But I, I tend to believe in it. Is there anything in Drury's profile while, while we're here? He's not necessarily a second-half standout, but since we're comparing him to Suarez, is there anything in his profile that gives you pause that this was a fraud? That it's like a complete fraud? No. Like, I mean, he, I mean, he's got he's got the opposite plate skills of um, of a, a you know, Suarez. Like, yes. you know, he's got an eight percent swinging strike rate, an eighty-nine percent. Uh, zone contact rate. Uh, you know he's not as aggressive in the zone. Uh, yeah, like take I, any walks. Yeah, like or, well, so, I shouldn't say any. Seven percent on 7%. the year, but only four percent I mean, with San Diego. Yeah, like, and I mean, previous in previous like MLB seasons, like he was at three, four, five percent. Like this is a like a high for him in terms of walk rate. Yeah. So like. Drury, like I said, like it all depends on where he ends up. Like it yeah, really does. Like it, um, if he was to end up like on any team that gives him a two or three year deal, you would have to assume, hey, he's at least getting an opportunity to play full time. If he signs like a one year pillow deal, the like a prove it deal type thing, then you start going, okay, they're not tied to him. Like if he struggles, he's gone. He's not, um, yeah, if he goes back to the jury pre twenty twenty two, poof. There goes the playing time for jury. So I agree with you there that duration of contract and where that contract is signed are going to be key mm-hmm. factors for him. I do think he and Suarez are going to be pretty close in ADP, though, so I figured it was a pretty decent comp. Um, let's move on to Seth Brown. This was a guy I quite liked coming into the year, especially in DCs. Figured he'd play all year. Sneaky little speed potential at first base slash outfield as well for a power guy. He's kind of one of those all or nothing, um, you know, low average big power guys but throws in some steals was four for four for five last year on the bases this year eight for nine and does have 22 homers 232 average which is actually better than i thought it would be 297 obp still really gets me sub 300 obps are so ugly um and a 445 slug but 
Seth Breezy has been excellent in the second half, so that's why he made this list. 12 of those homers, only one of those steals, but of course, if you're if you're hitting round trippers, you don't need to steal. 261, 345, 535 uh, slash line for Seth Brown. So can he build on this, or is just is this just a hot streak for Brown, and he'll go back to his all-or-nothing sort of uh, you know overall profile next year? This, I mean, this is a really interesting. I feel like this is a really negative episode that we're doing because every time you throw me a guy, like I start going, "This is exactly why I'm not interested." Hey, we, we were super um, positive on a lot of those pitchers, so sorry, some mm-hmm. of these hitters are just not necessarily. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, end your work week with some negativity, but um, I'm actually pretty impressed with Brown, uh, especially his improvements in like the second half. He's making more contact in the zone. Um, you know, he's become more aggressive in the zone. Uh, He's uh, he's kind of doing everything he should be doing, you know. His, his XBA on the year is almost twenty points higher than his batting average. Like, like he's been unlucky. Yeah. Um, so, like, you kind of start to believe, you know, the second half two sixty one uh, average when you're looking at a guy who you know has a two fifty four XBA on the year. So. Yeah, like I think he can. The problem is he, he does not walk. Like, and he plays for a team that values on base percentage. Um, now, the beauty of playing for Oakland is that Seth Brown has zero competition and likely yeah. will have zero competition next year, especially um, because he can go first or outfield. He yeah, has the, he has the the duel to make sure that he's kind of staying in the lineup. And I don't think he's going to be expensive at all. Um, no. So, yeah, I kind of like Seth Brown as like a post 200 guy that he's not going to win you your league by any stretch of the imagination, but he should return value on what you pay for him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, so yeah, Seth Brown's fine. Like, I, um, I'm honestly a little surprised. I, I drafted a few shares of Seth Brown in some DCs, and he's been great. He's been playing every, you know, every day. Uh, he hasn't really missed time this year. No. Um, and he, he, I mean, one of his biggest issues, I think, is platooned. I, you know, I, I've got to double check. Yeah, he's hitting 167 against lefties. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's obviously going to limit his upside a little bit. But especially if you can, you know, look ahead at the schedule, play the matchups, like he's. You know, hitting 245 against righties this year with 19 home runs. Like, you're getting a lot of that goodness against righties. And, you know, especially in your deeper leagues, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree on Seth Brown. Like I said, even throws in some steals at first base, uh, which which is always nice. And I don't think he'll get another eight next year. I wouldn't project him for that, but give me another four. Although that four came in 307 plate appearances. So well, it would project more of like a six. And again, we're going to be in a situation where we think that stolen base numbers are going to go up. So I probably would project it. You, you guys talked about this on an episode with the rule changes, but that's because the bases are going to be bigger and it will give an opportunity to maybe run more. I, I do think and, we'll see shifts with certain teams. Uh, com- combined with the fact that pitchers can only step off twice. Yes. Yes. Uh, multiple factors. There. That's a great yeah. call. And the pitch clock itself, like just multiple factors that are encouraging a potential running game influx, which could be great. And Seth Brown, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, could take advantage of that. Here's one that I'm really excited about. Jose Miranda. When he first came up, things were not going particularly well. Was probably cut in a lot of leagues. I think he was sent back down. I don't – maybe not. Maybe he wasn't sent back down. But He was, uh, he was for a minute. Okay. It was, but it was a. It was right at the time of the snow injury, so it was and like so a super quick up. moment. Yeah. He got to come up before the 10 days. Okay. But his May was dreadful. So I understand why people cut him. Uh, you take a shot with a rookie, and if it doesn't work, you move on, and sometimes they pop for somebody else. That's exactly what happened here. 176, 208, 324 in May with a couple homers. I imagine a lot of people couldn't wait. They got to move on. Like I said, I get it. Uh, you know, what, what are you getting out of this guy? Is he even going to hold his job? Well, he is, and he's going to be one of the best second half hitters as well. He's at 297, 371, 456 in the second half with seven homers, 31 ribbies. Uh, 22 runs and a chip in steal and 205 plate appearances for Jose Miranda. Playing time shouldn't be any sort of issue with the Twins. He's one of their one, one of their top prospects. Uh, obviously, he's graduated this year. He's got playing time. Uh, he's in the middle of the order. I think he will be next year too, even if they add a, a guy or two. 
What do you think of Jose Miranda? Do you believe in this breakout? Um, I will say the one the one comp I see here on his page that's really interesting to me, Miranda's doing the Ty France dance as a positionless masher whose hit power combination outweighs his aggressive approach. That's such a perfect comp. So are you interested in Minnesota's Ty France? Yes, because I don't think he's going to be super expensive. Um, I, I think he is going to be a guy that people kind of either forget about or undervalue. But the contact skills are really good. Uh, and um, we know that there is power in the profile that I just don't think he's shown enough of yet. Uh, like, I, Do I think he's like a star? No, but these are the kind of guys that I think are going to have kind of sneaky value. If stolen bases are going up and people are still trying to hit bombs, like the one thing that could suffer is batting average. Yes. Um, and I want to get a guy late, you know, post 150 picks that can help me in the batting average. And I think Miranda is one of those guys. Like, I think he he's a better version of Yandy Diaz. Like he's a guy that okay. um, he's probably not going to be a 30 home run hitter. You know, I think he'll probably hit like low twenties. Um, but Ty Franks is a really good example. Like, I, I don't think like he's ever going to, yeah, you I know. think that's actually like it's such a perfect comp. I, I like yeah. what you're saying with Yandi though too, because we keep saying like lift the ball, lift the ball, and he kind of like he's not a bad player, Yandi Diaz, but he's not a great fantasy player. Miranda's definitely better than that, and that next mm -hmm. level does seem to be a Ty France type. So that's yeah. kind of a perfect uh, comp there for Jose Miranda. And I agree with you that I don't think his price is really going to be through the roof. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be perfectly fair. He does have first third eligibility, which helps. And we we talked about how third wasn't great this year. Not a whole lot of strides in the position during the season. It, it's gotten it's gotten better, but it hasn't gotten great or anything. Like it's exactly. still it's still the weakest I think of the infield positions. And a lot of the breakouts. I'm, I mean, there's some questions, right? The two that we just talked about, mm -hmm. Curry and, and Suarez. Um, you know, will Matt Chapman hold? Is Luis Arise somebody you want to put in your build? Probably put him at second anyway. Josh Rojas. So, yeah, I like Miranda, though. I, I'm really intrigued by him, and that team is is going to be good again next year, I believe. Quick aside, do you think Correa sticks with them, or does he opt out? He wasn't, like, amazing this year. To be honest, I think it depends on what he does in the playoffs. Like that's, yeah, that's a good. If point. he has, if he has a big like you know on the big stage playoff game uh, or two, like then probably. But it uh, there, there's also the problem that there's other shortstops coming out in this. You know, we got Trey, we got Dansby. Um, that's right, Dansby off his huge breakup. By the way, I said he hasn't been that great. He has been actually. Uh, Carlos Correa has been amazing. He has a one thirty nine uh, OPS plus twenty one homers. It's just a little fantasy dry though because it's very it, well the, he's been fantasy dry for years like that's, that's the tough part right it's a good batting average and solid pop but neither the runs nor ribbies are off the charts he only played 510 plate appearances because he did miss some time zero steals he has one steal since 2019 justin Carlos one Correa one stolen base attempt yeah like, it's not just pop. one yeah it's like one stolen base attempt in that time like but, it's but I didn't want to short shrift him. Well, 140 WRC plus 130, whatever I said, 139 OPS plus. So they're pretty much in lockstep. That is excellent. But fantasy wise, it comes up a little bit lighter there to the point where actually I'm going to have you guess where's Carlos Correa on the Razzball shortstop player Raider? I bet you he's like 13th. <laughs> he oversold it by a lot. Uh -huh. He's 20th. Yeah. So Remember when that, people are yelling at me for ranking him like 15th at, at shortstop? Like, I, you know. I, I do remember that. And I didn't have him high either because I, as I kept it, going, and it, and it wasn't that I didn't like him. It was the no, position. Yeah, the position is so deep. I, I also ranked um, Corey Seager that low. Uh, so I understand why maybe so people were up, yelling at me. One up, one down. But hey, I had them 13, 14. Where'd you have them? I think just a little bit. I think 15, 16 would be my guess. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the depth there uh, what was was tough to figure. I had Turner, Bichette, Lindor, Bogey, Semyon, Anderson, Story, Baez, Vomit, uh, Polanco, Witt Jr., and Franco and Adamas ahead of those two. And But there was a huge glob, right? There was a huge glob at shortstop where if you wanted Correa, Seager over Adamas. Oh, I, I had him 20th. I had I had I had Cray at twentieth and Seeger seventeenth. You should go back in the comments now. Don't bring up the Seeger one because they'll they'll roast you on that one. But say hey, 
who's crying about my career ranking now? He was he is 20th. You nailed it. So good job on that one. I actually am pretty surprised that he is 20th behind Nico Horner, Josh Rojas, uh, Glaber Torres, Tyro Estrada, by the way. We gotta, we'll have some time to talk about him at some point in the offseason. Excellent year by Tyro Estrada. But let's move on to Adelise Garcia. I think Adelise Garcia is going to cause some people to make some mistakes next year because they're going to think, oh, my God, how did I miss on this guy? I'm going to get in this year. I got to be honest. I, I think the process was still right to fade him. And I was pretty impressed that the market essentially did uh, because of those plate skills. The one thing that he had was playing time because he's a he's an elite center fielder. But the question was, you know, 31% K, 5% walk. Can he go 31-16 again? Well, the answer was indeed no, but that's because he's gone 25-24 with a 253, 302, 463 line, which is actually pretty good, netting a 115 WRC+, plus, but still 28% K, so only three points shaved off of that, and only one point added to the walk rate. He's going to be 30 next year. Justin, i got to be honest, I'm still a full fade on Adelise Garcia because his price will go up from the 171 main event uh, ADP that he had. And there's no universe where I'm paying it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I will say, like, some of the contact skills have gotten better in the second half, but they're still way below average. Um, and this is uh, Carlos Gomez reincarnated. That's exactly the name I've been using. Yeah. And that's what I said about him. Coming, I, late career Gomez, though, too. Not yeah, not, yeah, not, not the peak Gomez. Mm -hmm. The late career one that really agitated us because we draft him, and then you never knew what you were getting, and then as soon as you cut him, you go on a three-week burner type of deal. But, yeah, um, for Adelise in his second half, by the way, 10 homers, 11 steals, 280, 336, 505. So an excellent second-half line, but still 26% K, 7% walk. So only a little bit better than his season marks there for Adelise. Mm -hmm. at, a, at age 30, though, um, I don't think he's really in major danger of losing playing time because, like I said, premium, premium defender. <clears throat> it, excuse me, out in center field there, and so that will help him keep the playing time. But man, I, like I said, that that ADP is going to go up. Justin, he's going to be inside the top 100, I think. Oh, I think he's probably going to be higher than that. I think I think two seasons top in a row of doing this, like I think there are going to be people taking the top 50. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I mean. I mean, he's, you know, he's a 2020-plus guy, uh, at least is, like, for the yeah. second year in a row. And, I mean, and he didn't hurt your batting average this year. No, like, no, because he improved there, 253. I mean, even the 243 last year wasn't killer. So that is true. Like, he's been able to put up two decent batting averages. And so, like, we're saying all these positive things. People are like, well, then why are you guys fading him? It's because the the um, tenuousness of it. Uh, the simple fact is... If that BABIP goes down at all from the 306, 312 of, of the last two years, uh, if the Ks go up a little bit more, I mean, we're talking about somebody who is going to crater. The downside here is massive with that. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, I'm just not willing to take him. He's got Javi Baez plate skills. It all, um, yeah, Javi Baez written all over him. Carlos yeah. Gomez, like you said, is a great comp too. So that's the, that's the fear here is that he doesn't uh, – you know, he doesn't maintain this 250s, 240s batting average type. He hits under Mendoza line. He might still get you the homers and steals because he will probably play a ton for Adelise Garcia, but he could come at, at quite a cost to your batting average, and I'm not willing yeah. to pay that. So, um, that that being said, like, if – if because I think a lot of people are going to talk like this. Um, I think some people are going to ignore what's staring you – what's staring us all right in the face on Adelise, but – uh, I think I think there are going to be people that push back on him being drafted highly. So, like, there's a chance the market is smart again, and he'll definitely go up. But like, if he's like just inside the top 150, I got no problem with that. Like, he's, you he's know, moving up way more than 20 picks. But I I, 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 I think he is too. There, there will be pockets of people mm -hmm. with what you're saying, but but only pockets I am seeing more it, it's anecdotal. I haven't, you know, talked to a billion people yet or anything, but I'm seeing the opposite. I'm seeing, Hey, I missed. I'm not going to miss on him again. I'm moving him up type deal. I'm like, uh, you didn't miss your process was right, but he's, he hit hard again. By the way, I said 171 ADP. That was all NFBC drafts together. His main event was two Oh three. So in the main event, the, the market was like pretty sharp on a guy here that had major crater ability 
and he popped. And so, you know, just because that happened, though, doesn't mean the process was wrong. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's move to the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of player type here and hit the Quan with Stephen Quan. Remember? Remember when he was the, the flavor of the first week or two? Mm -hmm. And then he went in a bit of a lull, and uh, Luis Arise kind of took, took up the mantle there since they're literally the same player. And now... Arise has passed the baton back to Quan, who's having a wonderful second half. 300, 373, 401, even chipped in three homers in the second half here. 10 steals, uh, an equal strikeout to walk ratio at 11% for each. How good is Quan? Uh, is, he in, is he going to be next year's Miles Straw, meaning overdrafted and wildly disappointing? Or is he got has he got more staying power where he is Luis Arise and you can buy into that batting average completely and you're going to get your double digit steals? Where are you at on Stephen Kwan after a big second half? Oh man, I, I mean I think he is a legit good hitter, um, and because he can walk at a double digit rate and because he makes so much contact, uh, I think he's going to be fine. Um, the hard part is he is kind of up there swinging a wet noodle. What? Which like, surprises me about the walk rate situation. Usually guys mm -hmm. get the bat knocked out of their hand because they're like, here, I dare you to try to hit. Uh, you're not taking a walk on me. But he has a 10% rate. Like I said, 11% in the second half for Quan. That's been impressive. But but you're, you're worried that it might not hold. He's got an elite. And I mean elite zone contact still. It's unreal. Look, I mean, you're talking about a 95.6 zone Silly. contact. Um, like, and, uh, you know, and he just does not swing outside of the zone. Like, so, like, he is going to, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys, like, if there were robo umps, like, he would, like, just just crush everyone. Like, you Did, know. Didn't it take, like, three weeks for Quan to swing and swing through a pitch? I think so. Something yeah. like that. I forget exactly yeah. the time, but it took a long time for him to actually have a swing and miss pitch. Okay, so I, I won't make you guess this time. I'll tell you, he's the 38th outfielder on the season, which isn't too bad. That's pretty darn good for a guy who was free. At, at, well, and uh, for a guy who is a hard negative in a category, yeah. the power category, yeah. uh, or, or the, the home run category, what – what can he do though next year? Like, I guess my biggest question is, or not even my biggest question, my, my biggest issue is he's such a team build specific player, right? Yeah. Like I think, and I've said this before, I know we disagree here. You, you'll take these guys on the fly and adjust, but I think you need to plan to take a Steven Kwan. I think you need to plan to take uh, a Miles Straw type rabbit. Now, he, now Kwan is not that total rabbit. He is 15 for 20 on the bases. He's not burning up the bases. You'll take 15 steals. But is there enough fantasy juice here outside the average for for you to want him? Because yes, he's thirty eighth in raw value, but sometimes those can be misleading because in on a team construct where you fell into in our main here, like with uh, with Brian Reynolds and Alex Verdugo and all that, if you get Quan and a couple other guys like that, you're way behind in power. Mm -hmm. so if you take Quan, don't you have to forego every other type that's like that Verdugo type and Quan type? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I want to find the next one. Yeah, like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to pay a top 150 price on 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 the actual Stephen Kwan. I want to want to find like the next guy, like a you know a Brandon Nimmo kind of guy at the bottom of the draft mm -hmm. that I think you know can do the same type of thing. You know, obviously, you I may not. Have, I'm sorry, quickly, teammate Tyler Freeman. What do you think of him? You're a big prospect, yeah, guy. It, uh, Cleveland teammate Tyler Freeman could be the next Quan, yeah? Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's always going to be this kind of guy that, like, hey, he doesn't have much to him, but he can just hit. Like, he can yeah. just hit. Um, homie, homie just hits, man. Quan really does just flat-out hit. And so, uh, like, yeah, I don't want to – people are going to drop top 150 prices on Quan. I'm not. Me neither, and uh, that's the thing. Find the next version of this guy. We will stay in Cleveland, though. We will not talk Tyler Freeman, but we will talk Oscar Gonzalez. Again, shifting player profiles here. We're going to another power guy. He has seven homers in the second half, but hitting 307, 346, 523 along with it. Really excellent slash line there for Oscar Gonzalez. That's worth a 144 WRC+. Plus. Um, remember how much they've struggled for outfield in recent years. 
they kind of flipped it this year with Quan and Gonzalez. Uh, they, you know, they're kind of set on the corners for next year. And then Straw in center field, at least his defense is there. His bat's been atrocious this year, but they have a true center fielder. I'm pretty impressed that Cleveland finally figured out their outfield, but what do you think of Oscar Gonzalez? Is he somebody that intrigues you? <laughs> He's got such weird plate skills. It's bizarre, uh, isn't it? It's, it's one of the weirder things I've seen in a long time. So Oscar Gonzalez has just about a league average zone conflict. Good, right? Yeah. For a power hitter, I'll take that all day long. Do you know what his O-swing is in the second half? Oh, not in the second half, but I'm aware of what it is on the season. It's, it's like 50%. 50%. Right? It is go. 50% in the second half. With so an O-swing, just for people, yes. swing outside of the zone that you're chasing, mm-hmm. 50% is bananas. Yeah. So, like, he has no idea of what the strike zone is supposed to be. Um, he's up there. He's like, I see ball. I swing at ball. Yep. Uh, I make contact with ball home run ball um yeah ball go far um yeah uh 15 swinging strike rate he's gonna have a 30 plus percent strikeout rate um probably more like it's actually surprising that a swinging strike rate is only 15 percent considering he's swinging at stuff outside his own 50 percent of the time uh like i no i don't want this I i don't this is this has all the rest. Like, I don't even need to look at the rest of like his like actual surface stats um, because I don't want to be tricked into thinking this is, is any way sustainable. Um, it's so crazy. Just no. You know, should you get fined if you're a pitcher and you throw a pitch to him in the zone? Should you be fined? Absolutely. By like, absolutely. Come on, don't throw Oscar Gonzalez anything in the zone. It's crazy that he only has a 21% strikeout rate with a 50% yeah. low swing. That's bananas. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you on Oscar Gonzalez. Like, maybe a DC super late, but if this rises, raises his price to anything like in the top 300, I can't do it for Oscar mm-hmm. Gonzalez. Uh, let's talk Lars Newtbar. They've done it again, Justin, and now they're doing it and giving these guys cool names. It's one thing when Alan Craig just comes out of nowhere and does well, or Tommy <laughs> Edmond. But now you got a guy named Lars Newbar. You ran out of uh, you know uh, standard issue names. You're going you're going unique now. You're going special with the Devil Magic. I, frankly, I'm impressed because they found somebody named Lars Newbar and they turned him into a beast. The Devil Magic strikes again, uh, at least in the second half here. He's been wonderful. 235 average, not going to really set you off all that much, but 372 OBP, 477 slug, walking more than he strikes out, and walking at an 18% clip, striking out at a 17% clip. Eight homers, three steals. So not much for batting average, but everything else is there. You love Lars Newtbar in an OBP league, but talk about 5x5 standard with the batting average. Is there enough there to take him, even though the batting average comes in pretty light for Lars? Here's the thing. He has made such a drastic change in his approach um, and and he kind of what he's trying to do up at the plate. Um, he's gone from being a guy who was kind of swinging wildly, swinging outside the zone, not making any contact in the first half, um, to a guy who is like doing the exact opposite here in the second half. And let me give you some numbers for context, right? Okay. So... The league average zone content, uh, con, uh, contact rate is about 84%. In the first half, Lars Newtbar has 76.7 zone contact, way below average. Yeah, brutal. Second half, 86%. Positive. He was swinging outside the zone 27% of the time in the first half. He's now swinging outside the zone 23%. His swing, strike, his strength, swing and strike rate was 12.6% in the first half. It is now 7.6 in the second half. Like, That's he, a colossal improvement. Mm-hmm. And while doing this, he hasn't really given up a ton in terms of uh, power, right? Like his max exit velocity is actually higher in the second half. He's raised his launch angle. He's doubled his barrel rate in this time. Like he has done everything. You know, his hard hit rate is up 8.5% in the second half from the first half. Everything he is doing. Um, is uh, really impressive. Shout out to our boy Eno, who's been a new boy fan for uh, new boy, new boy fan. I'm gonna no, say new I, boy fan. I, I like new boy. I, I like. I like boy. that. That was Eno, a mistake, but I like that. That's a good uh, mistake. Eno's a new boy. 
Yeah, uh, he's been a Newt Boy fan for a long time. I came on board as he was starting to make these changes. Uh, you know, we've talked about him a few times here on the pod here in the second half. Uh, but I am all on board for this. Uh, like I, these are improvements based on substantial changes in Newt Bar's uh, profile and approach. Um, I, I absolutely believe this. He is the guy I am most interested in drafting. Um, off of this list next year. Uh, and that's saying something because I like Jose Miranda a lot. Yeah. And I got to be honest, like, I don't think Newt Bar's price is going to be off nope. the charts because of that composite batting average. He's sitting at yep. 222 for the season. A lot of people are going to see that and just pass. Other people mm-hmm. will investigate further and, and see the, the goodness underneath that. But uh, I'm with you. I, I think Newt Bar is somebody worth drafting, and I don't think he's going to be particularly expensive. He was holding that one spot for a while. That has since changed. He's now back toward the bottom third of the lineup. But if the cards commit to playing him, I think that's going to be really interesting. That's the question, though. So with Newt Bar, um, uh, Tyler O'Neill, and Dylan Carlson there, is that the three now that they've traded Bader? Does that does that clear the path for Newt Bar permanently? I think so. Well, at least to give him a shot, not necessarily yeah. permanently if he flops, but but at least give him the opening day shot next year and, and see where he's at. Yeah, I would think so. And I think if if they are going to bring someone else in, it's probably for Carlson at this point. Carlson's been bad. Like, Carlson's just... been really rough, and I got to give you the hat, Tim, mm-hmm. because you've, you, you were not a Carlson guy. And definitely this year, that's a huge green check on your end there because he's been – brutal he's on the il right now um but bought a league average season from a an ops plus standpoint but 243 16 386 386 slug dude eight homers five steals in his 431 plate appearances i'm a huge dc guy i'm not quitting him because he's 24 but i've been thoroughly unimpressed this year with my boy dc so i feel you like if anybody should be looking over their shoulder it might be DC, and I know people are gonna be like, "Yeah, but they wouldn't trade him for Soto Ball." That's not what it was. That was such a stupid bastardization of what was happening with the Cardinals. I don't think they said, "Give us Carlson," and then it's done. And they're like, "No," it was they didn't want to give everybody together, and Carlson was like the last name thrown in there. But it was I. I said this before. I hated that he had to wear the Soto trade. Basically, mm-hmm. fans were just crapping all over him. First off, like he has any power? Like he yeah, say, like that was his choice. That, that's the thing that I don't get. Like you're taking it on him. He has nothing to do there. But anyway, it's because I'm a fanboy of DC, so I don't want to – I'm a Newt boy for DC, so I'm I'm, t- I'm caping for him. <laughs> but I really do like Newt, and I do think he's going to get a real shot next year uh, based on what he's shown this year with the Devil Magic. So you're, you, would a Newt boy for, for Carlson be a Carl Stan? Yes. Yes, I'm a Dylan Carl Stan. There you go. And, uh, what, what, get, we need one for Tyler O'Neill then, too, because he's got his fanboys. And I got to be honest, I'll buy back in next year now that the price will tank. Yeah. I'll never buy high on that profile. He's another Carlos Gomez type, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never buy high on that profile, but I think Tyler O'Neill will drop his price enough this year that I'll jump back in. But do we have a name for that, for Tyler O'Neill? No, you have to be good enough. No. <laughs> Last year you had a name, but then not this year. If you guys can think of one with Dylan mm-hmm. Carlstan and a Newt boy, we need one for Tyler O'Neill mm-hmm. for all the Cardinals outfielders. But let's uh, let's run to the opposite end of the age spectrum here for our last guy. I can't believe this guy's on this list. This is not a meme, though, Justin. Elvis Andrus has been amazing. Not just like good for Andrus or any, any sort of qualifiers like that. He's been flat out good, sent, particularly since joining the White Sox, but just in the second half overall. 299, 341, 500, which is good for a 142 WRC plus, eight homers, five steals in 185 plate appearances. WTF, Justin, like, what's going on with Elvis freaking Andrews? He's been incredible. I mean, I think this just goes back to what we said about Stephen Kwan, which is Elvis Andrews is just a good hit. Homie can hit. Just a 91% zone contact rate. Um, uh, you know, sub 10% swing strike rate for Andrews. Uh, like he's doing exactly what he needs to be doing, which is get on base. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit myself on board and then I'm gonna let people drive me in. Uh, now we've had a surprising six home run since he came to uh Chicago. That's the part um, that I'm like, I got no answers for that one. <laughs> I guess, I mean, you know, you get out Good of Oakland. And, yeah. yeah you, you get out of Oakland and everything seems small. Um, true, and you, true. So maybe maybe you're like, hey, I'm going to drive. And like as much as like 
we talk about like the division is a good place to pitch. It's also a good place to hit. Like there are some really bad pitchers in that division. Exactly. Um, the parks. There's a few decent parks, but you're, I thought you were going to bring up the parks. But no, you're right. The pitching. Like yeah. outside of Brady Singer, you love facing KC. You love facing Detroit. There Even are, though we like a lot of those Minnesota pitchers, they all have homer problems. Like, exactly. Yeah. Even the good ones have homer problems, and then some of them are just flat-out mediocre as well. So you're right. Touring that division is not particularly scary. Cleveland is the only one that really sends up somebody damn near every day that can get you. But Elvis Andrus has been unreal. I'm going to ask the question, even though I don't feel like I necessarily should. He'll be 34 next year. Would you even take Would you take him in like a D.C.? Yeah, yeah. If he's playing every day, if like if he's it depends on where he lands. But like, well, let's say you start in DC in November and you don't know though. Would I'll take, take a shot late because he's going to yeah. be 45th round. Why not? Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I don't think that this run is going to raise Elvis Andrews' price to any sort he, of. He might be the everyday shortstop in Colorado. Like, yeah, there's exactly. going to be something like there that. will be a team that goes. We don't. We're not competing this year. Um, we just want a guy. Uh, that can play every day, and maybe we can flip at the deadline. Uh, and that that's Elvis Andrews. So, like, yeah, I mean, a team like, I don't know, like, like Colorado is a really good example. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a, a you know, if some for some reason Brandon Crawford retired, like, the Giants could go that route. Like, a team like that, yep. I mean, I, I listen. Coming into the year, I, uh, LCDs Escobar was a, a starting shortstop, and I don't yeah. think he did anything to necessarily earn that. Elvis Andrus has, uh, you know, track record for days. I mean, he's been around for a whole ass minute, 2009. Still only 34, which is older, but it's not ancient yet, and he's showing that he can still hang. He's putting up a three-war season this year. It's pretty cool, man. I've always liked Elvis Andrus. I can't say I've been in on this at all. I don't have him anywhere, but I'm, I'm glad he's doing it. It's been really cool. By the way, the composite for the season is 14 homers, 10 steals. I, he probably more, I, I would say he's more of like a 25 to 30 round type of guy in D.C., but I, I'm still open to that. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that, especially because his defense has still been good. Like There hasn't been like a reason for a team for a team, especially like the White Sox who really needed him to mm-hmm. not play him. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in Chicago and he just plays and like a super utility. utility. Yeah, utility role. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. Um because they, yeah, they have to be so happy with what Elvis Andrews is doing. Yeah. And you know, if they make the playoffs and he has some some key moments for them in the playoffs too, that would endear him to coming back toward the uh, to the uh, uh, to the White Sox as well. So those are our guys that were second half breakthroughs and it's a mixed bag there, right? We had a lot of negativity out front. At least we ended on, on some higher notes where we are in on those. But, hey, we can't just like all of them blindly. I think you brought up some great caution points on McCarthy specifically um, and and looking at maybe, like, why you shouldn't necessarily just look at strikeout rate with an Oscar Gonzalez. Like, that's a great – it's it's a one-off. It's an outlier, but he's a great reason why you can't just look at K rate and say, hey, he doesn't strike out that much. Because yeah. the underlying says he could be striking out 33% in no time so great show enjoy talking about all these players who's who's your favorite of the bunch was it miranda you said based on perceived cost we don't know for sure but based on what you think the cost will be who's your favorite to buy next year oh uh, i mean i love miranda but i think lars newport i think Lars oh, yeah, Newport yeah. You're, is you're new boy. um yeah i'm a new boy i think he is going to be cheaper than miranda and i, I think he's also uh got just unbelievable upside like i i like I think that there is like Miranda's kind of a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy that I want to target. Newport is one of those guys I want. He could be next year Cedric Mullins, like Ooh. you know, like yeah. he, he, I I don't know that he's got the speed necessarily for that, but I mean he just could like have such a huge impact at the top of that Cardinals lineup. I know he's not hitting there right now, so I definitely want to see what they do down the stretch in terms of. I don't think like Brandon Donovan necessarily can is pushing him out of it completely. Though. And I don't understand that. why they moved him out of it. Like I don't either. Seventy like, fifth yeah. uh, percentile sprint speed for Newt Boy. So mm-hmm. th- that is. Some I know he's got. You can- I know he's got some. I just don't know. But like again, guys who who maybe don't run as often just because that's a choice may start to choose to do that next year with the bigger bases and pitchers not being exactly able to step off. and. Raw sprint speed is not the only indicator mm-hmm. that you can steal bases. In fact, I, sh- I shouldn't even just use that as as the yep. shorthand there. It's helpful, and the more speed you have, the more margin for error you have on the bases. But you can be a 
40th percentile speed guy and get 20 steals. It's it, mm-hmm. the smarts outweigh the raw speed without a doubt. And so, yeah, I really think, um, I think new bar is going to be somebody that he is going to be on a lot of sleeper lists. There's going to be a lot of intrigue, but it still won't raise his price. I think he'll be an actual sleeper because the composite numbers will still hold him back with mm-hmm. that 222 batting average. So, all right. Um, are you going to be talking to Jason this weekend? Uh, I'm not Jason has, uh, he is turning 50. Um, Congratulations. So, uh, so he, he's going to take the week off. I may try to get someone in, but I haven't thought that okay. far ahead yet. So. Well, if not, we'll be back next week. But uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend, Justin. I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.